0: Hey there, it's Jim Eskiman, and you've uh, somehow tuned into my podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you're a subscriber to my podcast, all I can say is, gosh, I appreciate the hell out of you. I don't know who you are, but um, boy, the fact that you uh, want to tune in and listen to what I have to say, deeply gratifying. Hope I haven't put you off too much by... It. It's a little bit of a bait and switch because I'm an impressionist. I do celebrity voices, and yet I hardly ever do celebrity voices in my podcast very irregularly. Uh, although I could, I suppose at this point, do uh, my impression of Stephen Merchant, which I've been uh, working on here and there, and uh, has absolutely probably no value to you at all. But um, there you go. And of course, I do George W. Bush. I always stick that in just about anywhere. <laughs> it's inappropriate, <laughs> but uh, if you listen, I appreciate it. I just kind of like to. I don't even have a theme. Somebody asked me, "So, what's your podcast about?" I have no idea. I just sort of get in here and. And blather, because um you know a lot of things happen to me as an actor, as a voiceover actor, as an artist, you know, we talk about the acting center, my wife's acting school quite a bit, and uh about my mom Marion Ross, and uh I don't know, I feel like I think my life has some interest, it certainly uh is various, and uh I want to talk about that for a little bit today because we watched a very capable documentary last night called won't you be my neighbor about uh, about mr rogers of mr rogers neighborhood and my experience with mr rogers uh, you know was watching it as a kid and being a little bit bored by it i guess and uh uh not really fully uh being a huge fan and then later on in my life of course making fun of it which a lot of us have done making fun of him and his peculiarity uh, and his uniqueness let 's say, and this uh, documentary, if you see it, I highly recommend it. I think everybody over forty should watch it uh, it 's very elucidating and and in a way that so many documentaries are today that take a look at uh, a person 's whole life. You know uh, we can do that now. We have a record of the lives of remarkable people from the very early time, particularly if they were in television. Mr. Rogers was on public uh, broadcasting on pbs for decades uh i'm not sure how many decades but uh, quite a few decades certainly from when i was a kid and uh this documentary really captures well the arc of his life and also the doggedness and single-mindedness and simplicity of a message that he just continued to put out in a variety of different ways for his entire career until, you know, right up until the end. And I admire that so much because anybody who's listened to this podcast knows I have my uh, finger in a lot of pies and I do a lot of different things, not because I'm so scattershot particularly, but because I need to make a living. You know, I need to go and fish where the fish are biting. And I I have a lot of things that I like to do too and and I'm lucky enough to have, uh, you know, some experience in in illustration and cartooning and voiceover and acting and even a little bit of sculpture. And uh, there's lots of things that I like to do. And then I have an interesting family, too. But uh, Mr. Rogers just focused on one thing, helping kids in a very particular way with public broadcasting, with a daily show. And, uh, you know, it uh, it will, I think, amaze you to watch it because quietly and uh, slowly... He created a safe space for kids that adults probably and older kids probably didn't really appreciate as being valuable, as valuable as it is. But when you take it in the hole and really get the bird's eye view of it, and here I guess I could take a moment to do Mr. Rogers' voice, although it does strain me to talk this slowly and carefully, but indeed this was the message that Fred Rogers gave out was that a safe space— for children is important. There's some wonderful footage of him talking in front of Congress to a man who was in charge of uh, you know, the purse strings that would support PBS, who looked like he was going to deny PBS all their funding at one point in, the, I believe it was the 70s, and just his simple explanation of why children need to be nurtured and what his program meant and why an adult saying to kids, you just... By yourself, you are worthy, you are have value. You don't have to do anything sensational. Just by being you, you have value, and you're important, and people love you. Uh, anyway, it, it's an extraordinary message, and it's extremely simple, and it's a message when put up against the other things on television for, that, were, that are meant for children. Makes these other programs, these cartoons, and these other crazy children's shows, makes them look like you know the uh, inhabitants of an asylum somewhere. His show might have been extremely slow-paced. It might have been tame. It might not have been edgy, but uh, it did provide something that I recognize now as a parent or and the former parent of a, of a little kid. Now my my daughter's quite grown up. Um, I recognize it as being extremely valuable to have, you know, as far as TV is concerned. Obviously, there's no substitute for a loving parents or a loving family, uh, but on television, to uh, to have a place where kids could go—it's a little universe that they like and feel comfortable, that f- that furthers their imagination and that explains simple things to them. And you know, in this busy, busy world, uh, that's that's what a little kid needs. They need a grounding. They need Someone to say, hey, you know, let me explain something to you. You may be feeling this or you may not know how to work this or, you know, like uh, he, he makes a point about little kids. They feel like when they first go to school, when they're age five or something, a lot of little kids feel like, oh, I don't want to go to school. I, I can't go to school. I don't know anything. <laughs> I, I think that's a probably a very real thing. So little little things like that that aren't put forth as lessons, but like, I don't know, he had his own manner, obviously, his own way of putting these things across I admire it greatly, and, and you know, you can't help making a comparison to your own life. Now, I'm probably the worst example or one of the worst of a person who has contributed to the overall noise of a culture that is disorienting and even upsetting to kids. I've done things for animation that is like, what's the value of this, uh, this particular program? Well, it shows that, you know, things can explode and that uh, two forces against one another can create conflict, and, uh, you know... There's all kinds of ways you can interpret it. Okay, sure, it's entertainment, and a lot of entertainment has to do with things banging together. Whether it's a car chase or it's two superheroes colliding in midair. Uh, you know that that that's a lot of what stands for entertainment these days. But it made me think about purpose and and just the doggedness and dedication of a man who had a singular interest and a lot of ways that he wanted to express it you know and he wrote all those scripts and he did all the voices of all the puppets and uh, he even played piano i don't think he played piano for the show but he was a pianist he probably wrote the music and he built that little universe that the camera's floated around in rolled around in and uh, and shared it with lots of very grateful kids anyway there are moments in in the documentary that'll that'll probably bring a tear to your eye they certainly did to me and uh, it makes you think makes you think about some of the big lies that are told about kids and um, and just the lack of dignity, too, where kids are not treated with respect and dignity by people who are more interested in marketing to them. Now, I'm lucky enough to be part of a, a show that I am proud of called uh, Ask the Bots by my friends uh, Greg and Evan Spiridellis of Jib Jab Media, and I think they've got their heads screwed on very straight about about kids, and they've got kids themselves, they understand uh, you know, they get a little, you know, a little more fast-paced, a little more uh, punch and Judy aspect to it, and some and some pretty crazy jokes. But the aesthetics of it, the gentleness of it, and the purpose of, of the show, which is available on Netflix, by the way, we're in our I think our second season, or, is is very commendable, and and it actually is something that kids could get a lot of value from, a lot of benefit from, as opposed to something like I don't know. I remember watching Hanna Barbera cartoons; they were just pointless entertainments you know the best thing i got out of it was i used to try to imitate them and and that's been a big part of my career the other big lie about kids is that they are somehow the native state of a person that they are you know man in his most natural state is the childlike state and we think about it very romantically when really if you if you've had any business with kids at all you know that a lot of times kids are just kind of batty they're just sort of nuts uh and it's not a, a disparagement to say that they're stressed out i mean they've they've just you know they're entering this world and uh, they're trying to deal with so much uncertainty and so many things they don't understand they're surrounded by uh a lot of confusing elements they can't really be in communication uh to the degree that they will be later with adults with the culture and uh you know they they act act pretty weird sometimes <laughs> and you have to feed them, and you have to get them enough rest. Because any parent knows, man, if you go a little bit too far, and the blood sugar drops, or whatever it is that happens in the body, and they need food, and they haven't got it, oh man, you're in for it. They're going to scream, they're going to cry, they're red faced, and they're going to have tantrums. And they're, you know, they're on edge. A lot of the, the fuse is very short with kids. And um, so Fred Rogers, I think, understood that very well, what he was dealing with. He was dealing with people that need to be treated with kindness and respect and dignity and a lot of clarity. And that is not true of many, many things that are supposed to be designed for kids. I wonder a lot about, for example, kids and watching all these wonderful CG movies of monsters and animals that can talk that look as real as anything else in the movies – Uh, Even more so, right? And uh, how often do parents say, "Well, you know, actually, polar bears can't talk, and they can't button a coat like that," and uh, or you know, those kind of snakes don't really exist, and sort of things like that. I, I I imagine it comes up with parents, but it's it's a very all I'm trying to say is it's a very confusing environment. The other thing I notice a lot too with this culture is that, like in L.A., for example, we have a big billboard town. I don't know if all towns are quite so billboard crazy but LA Hollywood very billboard happy and uh it's a big part of media and marketing and I guess it's uh it's still ubiquitous and still affordable and these days there doesn't seem to be anybody really uh controlling what gets put on a billboard as far as like you know obviously nothing pornographic but I see a lot of things that are horrifying uh scary images there's one right now of this thing from American Horror Story, and those are usually pretty awful, right? Where there's a big black slimy hand with claws at reaching toward a completely red, gooey-looking infant child. Which, you know, you, as an adult you go, oh, okay, well, that's a horror movie. And you can process that instantly in a fraction of a second. You can decide whether you want to watch it or not. But let's say you're three and you know what babies are. I remember my daughter at Disneyland, if we would just go past a display that had a creepy green light, a green light, she would get scared and cry. What about a hand reaching for a red, bloody-looking baby? You know, nobody th- I seemed to think about that. There was another one for um, um, another show, I can't remember the name of it, that had a an eyeball with a, a worm coming out of it. You know, very realistic. Yeah, you could totally believe that that was an eyeball with a worm coming out of it upsetting, nightmarish. I remember when I was a kid, there was the slightest little thing. If I saw it on television, it was slightly weird. Like I remember being just terrorized by a small scene I saw of a ventriloquist dummy that was going to kill somebody walking down the hall. That's all I had to see. There was no blood. There was no guts. It wasn't even in color. It was in black and white. I probably saw three seconds of it. Terrorized completely. Couldn't sleep. So I don't think we think about that with kids. Parents do, obviously, but marketers don't. Uh, whoever it is that agrees, well, yeah, that's fine. Well, Let's put that on a billboard. Let's put that in a TV commercial. Uh, they're not really thinking with it. So children are not valued, I would say. They are not afforded the human dignity that they deserve and that Fred Rogers was talking about. But his was a quiet voice. It was a quiet voice that wasn't trying to score a big victory in five seconds. His was a quiet voice that was striving to achieve some sort of victory over decades, and he did. There are a lot of people that remember him with fondness and were extremely grateful to him, and you see that in the documentary, too. The documentary, again, is called Won't You Be My Neighbor, Uh, and it is just just terrific. Well, regarding my uh, activities these days, I got to do a really fun thing for uh, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman uh, contacted me. That was a big thrill, saying, can you do a George Bush voice? And I said, you bet. He he said that somebody had recommended me. Mark Evanier had recommended me to do the George Bush voice for a uh, television program that he's working on in England, and we put that together, and I was able to do that last week, and uh, I can't say any more about it, but I'm thrilled. Uh, well, I'm gonna say it's called "Good Omens. Uh, I think I can say that. And I'm writing a screenplay with uh, my friend Adam Siegel, and that's going very well. It's extremely difficult. I have more respect now for writers than ever because uh, I tried to write I've, I've tried to write screenplays many times, and I just find it's like uh, this huge world that I can't wrap myself around. I feel small in relation to it, and it's like I'm lost in the woods. Uh, it's like just something too big to embrace, so I got some help from my friend Adam, who's a terrific writer and can bang these things out. Certain people, they can just bang stuff out. I'm amazed, and I've, I've been working on you know uh, adding my own contributions to it, and he's going to do another polish of it, and uh, we're moving that forward. Very exciting. I, I hope it will be a feature film, an independent film that we can finance. I'll let you know more about that because I'd like to hit, hit you up for a little money. You know, so we can get this film made, if you are one of my uh, non-fanatical fans out there that would like to see me in a feature film. I can guarantee there won't be a billboard of me all bloody with a worm coming out of my eye. Anyway, that's about all that's going on right now. I'm officiating at a wedding. It's my second wedding uh, this year. I was asked by three couples to officiate at their weddings. I haven't been a legally ordained minister until quite recently when I finally, you know shelled out the uh, $30 and went online and got the Universal Life Church ministry license. Uh, but I, I think you know, over the years, every now and then, someone asked me to do a, a wedding or a funeral, memorial, and uh, I guess it's because I, uh, I'm, I I can kind of create a nice presentation of one sort or another that I was asked to do. That. So now I'm going to officiate at a wedding in just a couple hours, so I better get out of here. I better shave, you know, I don't want to look like. Something out of American Horror Story. Anyway, I hope you're doing great. I hope you're having a a great end of summer. Let's not let the summer die just yet. I just want another week or two. It's my birthday tomorrow, September 10th, so I'll be feeling very grateful to my mother tomorrow and for the coming week. Uh, It's a big time to celebrate how great Marion Ross is. She herself is going to be 90 in October. Can you believe it? If if that's what 90 looks like, I hope I I can achieve that. She's in great shape says hi. And I say hi, and I will talk to you very soon. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Have a great week. Talk to you soon.